Welcome to Film Grain, the official podcast of the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania and the Greater Erie Film Office. Our guest is Mark Tannenbaum of Performing Arts Collective Alliance. I'm Erica Berlin, Executive Director of the Film Society of Northwestern PA. And I'm John Lyons, filmmaker, teaching artist, and Director of Programming for the Film Society. So Mark, thanks for joining us. You are our second two-timer. So congratulations. What an honor. Thank you. It's an honor. It's an honor for us as well. So 2020, a year that we will all remember uh, for sure. Unfortunately. (laughs) You have not slowed down uh, one iota at PACA. Can you give us, uh, how about a little overview of everything new that's went on with PACA this year, and then we'll dive in deeper with you. Well, obviously, like everybody else, we were kind of caught off guard when, you know, we were told to shut down. And I think everybody was. And I'm on, I'm online with a lot of other theater directors, you know, in one of those chat rooms. And uh, everybody was caught off guard. We were, it, we had just finished the play. We just did uh, the last days of Judas Iscariot, which we sold out every single night. It was a great success, funny poignant we were there i believe right erica yeah i was there yeah yeah we checked it out it's good stuff we were in rehearsal we were two weeks out before uh, the next show was to be done we were in rehearsal we were building the new set it just looked like we needed to shut down i couldn't protect my cast which was no and uh we shut down I, i would say that um thanks to the other theater directors around the country we we were all talking about it. And the kind of consensus that we came up with was the shutdown caught us by surprise. Let's not be surprised when it's time to open back up. Mm-hmm. That a time will come, but prepare for it and use this time. All theater directors are running around trying to do as much as we can and as be as creative as we can, put on as many shows as we can, try not to lose too much money <laughs> while yeah. we do it. But they, the, the consensus was be ready for when, would, when you open and use this time to do those things that you had put off. That was great advice. So I decided to do that. So what kind of things did you decide uh, to work on that you had didn't have time to get to before or ideas well, that you wanted to upgrade or? We nailed down the new roof. Um, that was, it was tragically necessary. I don't know if you saw any of the photographs. It looked <laughs> like bombed down Dresden. Yeah. Um, McCrory's roofing came and did a, a great job. First, we tried fundraising, of course, and we tried grant writing, of course. Um, none of that really worked out to a, a large number. And the new roof was about a quarter of a million dollars. I mean, it was more money than we paid for the building. Wow. It was 14,000 square feet. Um, we wanted an exceptional job. We hired McCrory's. They did an exceptional job. But for us to do that, we needed to refinance the entire building, which required you know, people to come in and do appraisals and work with banks. So we were very fortunate to work with Northwest Bank, which was tremendous to us. Uh, Chris Groner at the uh, city was able to provide partial loan at a lower interest rate. So we ended up taking our existing mortgage and wrapping it into the new mortgage. And, you know, it's, it's a number and it's a scary number <laughs> that we mm-hmm. have to pay every month. But without a roof, we had no chance. So we just focused on the new roof. That was key. 
If you don't have a roof, you don't have a building. And you can't put on any plays if you don't have a theater. What did, were the experts telling you was your timeline or had they been telling you? Were, were you kind of like past your due and you were just getting oh, bonus years out of it, basically? I honestly think that if last winter there wasn't that much snow, but my gut feeling is if it had been a, a deep snow like we've had in the past, mm -hmm. um, it would have collapsed. Wow. And wow. now it absolutely won't. We are well into it. It's beautiful. They did an amazing job. Six inches of insulation, new rubber roofing, Ooh. hard tack across. It, it's just a, a sight to behold. It's, it's warmer. You know, a couple of years ago, we did the windows in the front of the building, the facade. Mm -hmm. and that helped us out with heat Heating, and yeah. efficiency and saving our old building as part of our mission. You know, we have a three-part mission and, you know, reviving and bringing up to code and up to date an old building, 70,000 square feet, built in 1899. You know, we have a big responsibility to keep that old girl going. And uh, we are. Yeah, you sure have. I mean, you've you've added decades to this building now. And yeah. Erie it, thanks and you. Speaking <laughs> of the... Speaking of the facade, I think you've done some some work on the the signage, right? You're working on some new signage? Yes. Actually, I thought it would be up, but it's a complicated sign. Uh, but fast signs <laughs> is, uh, you know, we could, we could just make a sign. So, uh, you know, we, you know, John Behanian has had his studio in our in our building for 30 years. A lot of art, you know, uh, there's photographs of Richard Aniskevich with his paintings on the roof of our building. <laughs> Uh, you know, Dave Seitzinger. So there was a lot of art being made. You know, Franny Sean's had his art gallery there for a long, long time. We really didn't want to just put a sign up. So we wanted something kinetic because Bahanian made all those flying machines. Yeah. So we wanted something kinetic. We wanted something that moved and something that was bright. And we wanted to light up and we wanted to be beautiful. But at the same time, we also wanted it to be historically accurate or enough. You know, so we ended up having to get all the blueprints signed off on by the historic registry. Um, so we're on our way. We are, I don't know, the, we would have already had it, but COVID kind of slowed us down, but we would be on the National Historic Register. It's just, we're, we're one vote away. So <laughs> okay. the new wow. is, Who do we the need to talk to, Mark? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, uh, there are drawbacks to being on the National Historic Register. You know, there's only certain things you can do and, you know, everything has to be passed. But when we did the facade work, and the windows, we had those passed. In, and then when we did the sign, we had it passed so that we're not breaking any rules. And it kind of looks like the Warner sign to some degree. It, it has, it's got pop in letters and stuff like that. So we use that as our model. Although I don't think that was, the, I don't think the Warner was built. I, 1933, I think, the, 32 or something, the, the Warner was built. So it's a lot newer than our building. Man, I can't wait to see it. When are you expecting uh, it'll, be, it'll be up and ready? After Thanksgiving. But all I mean, right. on, our, on our Facebook page, we did, you know, it's going to light. So all the lights will change. That's just P-A-C-A. -A. They're big. You know, they're like three feet tall. Um, they'll, they'll light individually. We'll be able to sync them up together. We'll be able to flash them and run them and change all the colors. So nice. That, you know, all, it's all LED inside. And then we got a controller for it. So you so can go can... with themes and special awareness. Sure. Yeah, months right. and sure. a lot so of we flexibility if we want to be right so so for certain months you know we want to you know pride day we could make a pride flag out of it you know so we, we can do you know pride month we can do whatever we want it's but that takes more time and honestly it was difficult to get done yeah with everything right yeah so and they're <laughs> yeah. shutting down you know all these all these contractors you know they're dealing mm -hmm. with it. It, it everything's slower it's just uh but we then of course so we we did that. We're building out a kind of a new jazz club in the back, kind of a 
edu like a multi-purpose space. Tell us more about this on the well, first floor, started... like off to the right. <laughs> yeah, off to the north of it. Yeah, so uh -huh. in the back. So we started out by building two new wheelchair accessible bathrooms. Um, we want our building to be, you know, accessible to everyone. It's it's hard to retrofit an old building and make everything perfect to do modern code. So we found a space that was kind of like hidden in the building and we <laughs> were able to put two, it used to be a walk-in cooler back in the 20s. <laughs> and uh, so we gutted it and then poured new concrete. And uh, so we're gonna put two wheelchair accessible bathrooms right when you walk in the front door. Uh, so people can use those bathrooms. But if you walk through that space in behind uh, 1501, there's a giant space with 24 foot ceilings and stone walls. And mm -hmm. we're going to put in kind of a, we want to make a multi-purpose room so we can put jazz on or put music venues on, but people could use it for events, like an event space if we want to. Cool. Um, we did get VNet into the building. So now we can have really fancy Wi-Fi so that if people wanted to do an educational thing or, you know, a high tech thing, uh, they could. We're so it's going to be like a multi-purpose space. Will people be able to rent this out? What are you thinking sure. as far as like, seating is it going to be something that can be um you know swapped in and out like it's going to be a, a fully multifunctional space or are you going to have some permanent fixtures there i would imagine a stage and stuff here yeah we'll put the stage in but we'll put all the lights and sound in we'll put all the va you know the the visual stuff in there you know so there's a vip space up on top Ooh. um we're you know we're, we're just we uh, david and i david dig it david you know dave schroeder and i were just looking at it the other day last night as a matter of fact and uh we said maybe we should take this wall out over here and like make it <laughs> you know put a bunch of glass up there or i don't know so we're planning on different things but i, I think love it's gonna it be man. Great. it's kind of like the annex at the art museum used mm -hmm. to be when the annex got erased, you know, and that, you know, they needed to move on. They, they'd use that space for something else. But I mean, for years, that annex was really a, the hub for a lot of creative stuff. Yeah, it was and a cool spot. Without the annex, that creative stuff can't get done. Everybody needs a place to do it. So we're kind of like, we're very Taoist. We're the empty cup. You know, we're creating the empty cup and somebody else decides to fill it with their creativity. And we're going to help them. I love, I love that Erie has an artist with such big ambitions that owns a building. Mark, you're like, you're like yeah. a godsend for the city. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. But you know, there are other places like PACA. I wasn't aware of it when we started, but uh, you know, PACA. You know, the building's owned by a 501c3. PACA owns the building, and there are other arts institutions that are similar to PACA with with space and 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 gallery space and performing space. There's you know some stuff in Cleveland, but none of them are owned by the artists themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's really, I think, we're unique in the country that it's not like this other entity that's creating this space and then you know there's a profit motive in what they're doing right there's really no profit motive for paca we're yeah, you're like a co-work space but everybody has has a slice of the pie of the ownership yes. right yeah so the yeah. artists themselves you know paca itself creates art whether it's theater or music events or or you know gallery shows and that kind of thing but then we provide space for other artists to be entrepreneurs and educating uh people and then save the building i mean those are basic three things of our mission everybody's working together and so far, so good. <laughs> so how have you adapted in presenting shows during COVID? Because okay. you can't necessarily put a show on and normally have, you know, crowds coming in on Friday and Saturday nights. So how have you been pre presenting shows since COVID began? And what well, shows? I mean, <laughs> and what well, shows? Well, we actually did put on a full length play. 
um, just last couple of weekends ago. So we did a, a play called Marx in Soho. Uh, so prior to getting that done, we ended up getting a local uh, infectious disease doctor to, to work with me about creating an action plan. Then we presented the action plan to the Erie County Health Board. They applied the CDC guidelines to our outline. They tripled our sheet of things to do. Uh-huh. And then we just did them. And so we, we created a space where we, we usually need about 125 if we jam people in, but two, we could get 22 people in. Okay. We put, we put uh, Lex on up the middle of our stage. That's what I was going to ask. Back. Cause yeah, watching on um, online, I, I thought I could see like some seams in the close-up shots, yeah. like some sure. plastic glass. Okay. I don't think that bothered the audience. No, I mean, it wasn't distracting. It it's a one man show. Um, that, well, that was key. So yeah. the, the one part is I could isolate the audience, but I but you can't do Little Shop of Horrors. You know, you can't do a, a play on the stage with all these multiple cast members, even like, you know, what, you know, like any kitchen table drama because people are just interacting too much on stage. So what we did was select single person plays. Okay. And that was, you know, like, like kind of like how, what Hal Holbrook did when he did mm-hmm. the Mark Twain series. So it was one person. So we, then we boxed in the entire stage in plexiglass. Okay. Separated that from the audience. And then we used other plexiglass that separated the audience from each other. Wow. And then we did social distancing of there. So no audience member was more than six feet, you know, closer than six feet away. And then we only sold tickets in pairs. And those were people that were already cohabitating. Okay. So we would never sit a stranger. And then we took everybody's temperature. We asked them, you know, about their exposure. When I came to your studio, they, you know, you asked me basically the same questions and took my temperature. I mimicked that, by the way. And then we cleaned it. We had we had professionals come in and they steam cleaned all the carpeting. They steam cleaned all the padding. We wiped down all the seating. We boosted our air conditioning system so it would suck out the air and transfer the air faster. Whatever the CDC said to do, we did. We put on the show and it was great. So we put that show on and live streamed it at the same time. So how many showings did you do? Six. Because Erica and I have talked about, you know, because we do the the dinner and a movie at the Bourbon Barrel, and we were trying sure. to think of, like, the puzzle of putting together seating for yes. something like that and following the guidelines. Is it something where you're, like, constantly adapting your seating as new orders come in, you know, because if you have a pair versus like a single or something like that, are you juggling that stuff right up to the last minute or? Well, if, if a single came in, they just sat by themselves. You know, okay. we ultimately, you know, if somebody wants to come see the show, they came and saw the show. Boy, I, I hate to turn anybody down, but we just still didn't sit a stranger with somebody. Okay. Understood. Be, you know, was the seating like in the front row as close as it normally is, or did you were you able to push them up closer since you had the um, the plexiglass there? No, we we kept them right where they were, and then we separated them with two sheets of four by eight. We bought ten sheets of four by eight quarter inch Lexon, <laughs> <laughs> and then put it all up and hung it from the ceiling and bolted it to the floors and did all that. Take us through the idea of live streaming this. So you you did a two camera setup. A four camera setup. Four camera setup. Yeah. Ah, okay. All right. How were they at four different setups or did you have some of them together at, at different like um you know and they were yeah four different setups. So as the okay. actor moved around and then really this was Dig It Dave who you know we talked it over but really he was the the, the smart problem solver here. Um, so Dave Schroeder was really responsible for this. It was very much like old newscasts, you know, where the director would be like, okay, camera one, you know, get ready and switch. So like that was live TV also. 
So you'd have these multiple cameras placed out. And then as you needed to do different things, then you would just switch the camera. And that's what got sent out over the air. Mm-hmm. So we used a very old school technique with a very modern uh, equipment. And uh, that's how we did it. And then did your actor the cameras live. Okay. That's what I was going to ask if he did live on the switcher. Did you have yeah. marks like marks on the floor for your actor to kind of hit sure. for the close-ups and stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. But we also did it three quarters. So he would, you know, work with the people on the left-hand side of the stage versus people in the front on. And then we had a, a further away camera, but it was actually really dynamic. And yeah. I, I mean, I didn't even really now thinking about it. I, I didn't notice how many cameras you had. I guess I was just into the show and I wasn't. Yeah, I know. I was into it too. (laughs) In fact, I didn't notice at all the plexiglass. When I was watching it on YouTube, I had no concept of plexiglass or anything. I just noticed the lighting and the production design and the actor. I had, I just did not grasp the plexiglass or the staging for the the social distancing at all. Right, no and you know, Ken Brundage is an extraordinary actor. You can't take your eyes off. Yeah. Right. Falcon Hagen did an amazing job directing. Um, and really, but there was just four of us involved in the whole thing. Wow. I mean, that was it. So how, how long did it take you to pivot to this one-man show? And it sounds like you're doing a series, you know, this yeah. way for a little bit. We actually it- canceled the next one. I know. Oh. It was gut-wrenching. We had a big discussion with our board of directors. We were ready to do and we were already again in in rehearsal and Adele Trotty was going to be great it was a funny show about Cindy Lou who who is now 40 years old drinking martinis and lives in a trailer park and dishes on the grid okay so all right I and, dig and it she was hysterical okay she's great uh, but they wouldn't give us streaming rights oh. and when we first went into it we didn't think that they were not going to give us streaming rights we were mistaken they were dead set because the Grinch is Disney or something. You know what I mean? Like the Grinch is now that property is owned. Mm-hmm. So even the fact that you mentioned the darn Grinch, it became mm-hmm. like a licensing issue. Interesting. And Didn't see I that coming. I never imagined it was going to be a problem. I mean, every, all, everybody's, almost everybody's allowing their stuff to be streamed these days. Almost everybody. Yeah. So the fact that I was then, and then we had this giant spike in, in mm-hmm. uh, cases in Erie County. And, and the board of directors just felt that it was, bad manners. You know, it was just impolite to try to entice uh, audience members to only come and see it live Mm -hmm. in the midst of increased numbers. I get that. Um, And maybe we were wrong and maybe we were right, but I'm I'm just saying that's what we did. Yeah. And I I backed the the board. I backed the board. So we had to cancel it. And, you know, we'll Mm -hmm. see if if these numbers go back down. We'll or we'll do it later. He'll have to come see a Christmas show in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, work. I'm sure people would be. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> They'd be open to it. We're going to do a Christmas extravaganza, but we'll, you know, we'll film all that stuff and do a Christmas extravaganza. And then, of course, every single Sunday night for the last 11 weeks, um, Dave has produced a, uh, a live stream of local musicians. And it's free doesn't cost anything. Just go on our Facebook page and click the icon or whatever. And uh, so, like I said, last week we had uh, Tommy Link. Right, uh, yeah, yeah. He did almost all originals. I think he did one cover. And then we had, uh, next week we have Roger Montgomery. Do you have in-person people there for those or is it just streaming only? We allow about six or eight people to come watch. Yeah, yeah. So if somebody really, really, really wants to come. But again, we have a big, huge room. I can social distance everybody. The audience all wears a mask. Mm-hmm. And you're 
10 feet away, 20 feet away from the stage anyway. And then the actor does not have to wear, or, you know, the musician doesn't have to wear a mask. And a lot of these bands are rehearsing with one another all the time anyway. You know, they're, they're right. doing it. And, you know, to some degree, if they're comfortable with it, then we're comfortable with it. I don't know. That, I don't know if that sounds terrible, but that's what we do. It's, it's their call. We're happy so, to have them on our stage. Say this uh, goes on another, like the situation of <laughs> distancing and everything goes on for like well into the summer. Okay. Yes. Um, but what do you think if you decided you wanted to do like, you know, like a couple you know, in in a single location, yes. like a married couple in a in a right. residence or something. What do you think you would need to change logistics wise to be able to kind of you know open your options up a little more, just a little bit more? I'm sure it nothing. makes I mean, makes it times times three for headaches, maybe. But no, really nothing. I mean, if people are cohabitating, so we actually have a a play that does. So uh, you'd have to find actors that are cohabitating, basically. Together, right. Mm -hmm. So we have one, there's a mother-daughter one. So let's say Night Mother, which we plan on doing later this season, but we thought about that. But we, but those two actors, we couldn't find that were cohabitating, but that's only a mother and their daughter. So it's a great play about suicide. So we were going to present that anyway, but then we found another play also about a mother and daughter. And there's a an actress whose daughter is a great actress and she's in her 40s or whatever. And uh, the daughter is 18 and they live together. So they're both talented. Nice. And we can do that show. And we're looking into that after Christmas. And then we ha we actually found another play that, that again, suicide something that's just interesting us right now. <laughs> we're trying to think of stuff that we can do that's socially relevant, but at the same time, not beating people over the head with a, an agenda. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And like, I think it's an issue that should be addressed. I think theater is the perfect uh, vehicle for that. And uh, there's a beautiful play called Every Brilliant Thing. And that would be then one of the next shows that we would do. But again, I'm, I'm going to wait and see what happens after Christmas. And if our numbers drop and I can invite people back in the theater mm -hmm. and also stream it, then I'll do it. Yeah. But uh, every brilliant thing. And we have two actors already lined up for it. They've already started reading their parts. So there's a male actor that will do it like every other time and a female actor that will do it. It's all the exact same play, but it's completely different if a, if a woman does it or a man does it. it just, and it's about suicide. It's about a boy who, whose mother consistently tries to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. And it's a true story. Mm. And then he wrote a play about it. And uh, wow. it's funny, hysterical. <laughs> it's the funniest play about a tragic theme that I've ever read. <laughs> <laughs> it, it also very much talks about the realities of it. I think we'd like to do socially relevant stuff. I, I, I think we need to be, I think people want to laugh. I, I, I think we've had a heck of a time here. <laughs> like, I don't, you know, like nobody wants to put on like, you know, death of a salesman. <laughs> right not yet yeah. we're not there like, yet let's, yeah let's hang no. out for a year and just do funny stuff <laughs> yeah let's just people make are ready for a, a laugh we're ready for a smile that's right well man Something this more lighthearted. this marks and soho was was an awesome first one to test the waters i mean yes. like you said you have a you have great talent in front of and behind uh the plexiglass <laughs> and like i said we were ready to go it, it was really i don't want to say bad optics but you know packa considers itself a community leader to some degree we just thought it was irresponsible to if we couldn't stream it and we could only ask the people to come in yeah. the audience it just felt like the wrong thing to do to put on a show listen we all want to do theater we all want to make art everybody wants to do something and I understand that. But at the same time, we have an obligation to our, our community on the deepest possible level. And we just weren't ready to do it. Will you make uh, this this show and is this show available 
publicly or because i know the link you had sent us was unpublished do you plan on putting these out there published i don't think no? we're allowed to we're okay. allowed to stream them like when okay. we did this one howard zinn we got special permission from his estate wow and they had they had they weren't really adept at renting out the play it's not that common to rent it in the first place it's hard to do a one man but then to stream it they had no idea what what they should do yeah so they had a, you know they chewed on it for a couple of weeks until you know the lawyers uh, but what gotcha. we did with that particular game you know i know can you imagine but uh and like we're calling up the lawyer for howard zinn's estate you know and chatting with him on the telephone to try to get this done <laughs> you know and he couldn't have been nicer but but uh you know he's a lawyer yeah and, you know, they're they're precise and um yeah. so what we made a deal with them is that we would not sell more tickets than we could seat in our audience okay yeah and i think some of their concern was that the quality of the show wouldn't be great. I, I think that's also part sure. of the thing of the Who's Christmas. Like the playwright herself, you know, she's not a she doesn't write for TV. She writes plays. Mm -hmm. She wants plays to be done live, and she wants her work to be presented in a certain way, and that's her right. Of course, but a lot of stuff that we're seeing. I know. But we all need to. We all need to pivot. <laughs> You know, like we're dealing with a lot of this stuff with film, like we regularly talk about the film exhibition space, of course. And, you know, not everyone is Christopher Nolan and can demand that my film has to come out in a theater during a pandemic, right. you know. Right. So sure. the, the industries have to improvise a little yeah. bit. And I, I get what he's doing, you know, no doubt about it. But there were some stuff that, that came out only streamed. You know, there has been some work that's come yeah. out, come out streamed and uh, it worked, but it's Christopher Nolan's choice. <laughs> but for me, I would feel guilty about making people go to the theater right now. Like if that's your only option, yeah. it's one thing if it's their choice, but there's another choice. Right. But if it's their only choice. Yeah. I get the struggle there. Jeez. That's why. Our, yeah. And that's why our board said no. I mean, that that was the that was the deciding thing is that when you take choice away from the audience, I mean, they could not come. I mean, that's an option, but sure. people who, you know, you're this thing called an attractive nuisance. You have to have a swimming pool without a fence around it. You know, kids are going to swim in there in the middle of the night, you know, like <laughs> right. and someone's going to drown, you know? So like, you can't just be an irresponsible homeowner or, or, or theater owner. We just didn't feel right about it. Well, I'm glad you were able to get one in here before uh, the current yeah. swell. <laughs> but we, you know, we may do the next one. Like, like if this thing drops down in January, you know, I'm sure Adele would love to do it. And people are, you know, I think people are going to be starved for Christmas. And I think they'll see a Christmas show in January. And I don't think anybody's going to care. Yeah, because Christmas isn't going to, let's let's face it, it's yeah. not going to be the usual Christmas. So why don't why don't we just keep it keep it rolling? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah. You got content. I mean, um, well, where uh, where's the best place really for people since this is kind of a ever-evolving situation is your website best is your social yeah. media best just give you a call like I, I what do you want both. i mean okay. i would say you know our website is 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 great um it looks it's dynamic and fun and interactive you know you can send us messages and we do get them and respond and our facebook page okay i mean that's basically what we do um but and, and you're yeah, going that new sign it. is going to be on the building in you know certainly by the first of the year Great. Well, when the time when this airs, then uh, which will be, a, a, you know, in a week, uh, people yeah. will be able to check it out, which is exciting. And, you know, and the, the music thing that we're doing, we're doing that every single week and it's a big production. And again, we we 
experimented with the four camera shoot on the on the music because basically the the performer's static. Mm -hmm. So we were able to experiment with how to use the cameras before we did uh, Marks and Soho. So when the when the actor moved, the performer was moving. Mm -hmm. We were still able to do a good job. Yeah, you got it down. So, and that's all Dave. You know, he's he. But but you know, you get you set yourself smaller goals, and then you achieve those, and then you use what you learned, and then you try something new and bigger, and then you use what you learn, and just you know, <laughs> sorry. Well, thanks for trying things, Mark. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> for all of us. Yeah. No, and I look forward to you guys being open again. You know, it's a, your, yours is a, a rare opportunity to see great film and, uh, you know, the whole production that you do. Thank you. We're Erica and I, we're still talking all the time. I mean, we have some some new things that we're working on uh, soon. Actually, we're going to tease it in your episode. So you'll hear it okay. when, uh, when your episode comes out. But um, yeah, we're we're trying to figure it out, too. Well, you know, our little new space that we're working on, and it, it'll take us maybe a year, less than a year to, to finish that out. But that would be a great small, like, remember, like, Mercyhurst Little Theater? You know? It'll yeah, be, of course. Like, like a, a small venue with liquor license. <laughs> so we, I think we're getting a liquor license. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're working on some other things, too, that would be multi-venue. Uh, we can we can talk about a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I probably right. shouldn't, yeah. shouldn't spoil anything, <laughs> but um, I, I love that you're building a, a place with options. And that's, that's really our goal, is to just provide an opportunity for people to do what they want to do and not control content, unless it's stuff we're making. But in general... Like other artists in our building, are, you know, we have 31 artists in our building. They do whatever they want. They collaborate. They interact with one another. They support one another. There's a, there's a real community feeling, but it's their work. We just provide the, the room, and we try to do it under market value so people can then still afford to do it, and they don't have to move to Seattle to be a, an artist. Like there's a brain drain, you know, like we talk about a brain drain for Erie. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a, there's a talent drain. Absolutely. And if, if talented, artistic people feel that they can't survive in this area on their work, then they'll move. And we're trying to stem that tide. I can't imagine living in a city without talent and no brains. <laughs> like, yeah, that's depressing. That's a depressing. And I think we're all very lucky to you, Mark, and John and I, we're all very lucky to live in Erie yep. and have nonprofits where we can do so much and make so much in this arts community and, you know, and not just be a drop in the bucket to really do so much in our own communities um, and make a difference. And we do. So we're all very lucky. And, and I'm, we're so glad that we can all work together. It's, it's really exciting. And so. Well, Erica, I you. think you're right. And I think how difficult your artistic endeavor would be if you lived in Brooklyn. Hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like on one hand, it sounds easier, but <laughs> I think I could only do this in Erie. You know, it would be harder. Yeah, you'd need so or, much money. You'd need so much money yeah. that you could never do yeah. it. You'd need a million dollars to think about a project. Yeah. Right. And so we're, I think we're fortunate that mm -hmm. I, I can't even imagine, I bring my friends in from New York City looking at my building, 70,000 square feet. Right, it's like, holy yeah. And they're like, yeah. how much did you pay for this? And, then they, and, yeah. they, and they're like, no, I mean, for the whole building, how much did you pay for this? Not this one little cubicle. 
You know, it's like, no, dude, that's for the whole building. <laughs> I know, they, right? They, I can't believe it. And uh, we're lucky. Yeah, we, are. we could never do it in a city other than Erie. So I think Erie's mm-hmm. perfect. We have a lot of artistic yeah. people here, a ton of talent. Um, mm-hmm. And and really, there's, I mean, I I think the mayor's office has been supportive. I, I think, you know, the administrative, I think the not, you know, the ECRA and Erie Community Foundation and Erie Insurance Exchange. I mean, whatever you want to say. I mean, I don't think, I think they're actively supportive of crazy ideas. Yes. <laughs> you know, I know it's, it's they fabulous. And if anything, if anything, if anything, COVID has shown everyone around our con- around the country that a city like Erie is a wonderful place to live and a and a great place to have a work life balance and to explore the things that are outside of your work life that are wonderful for your children to to sure. a great place for your kids to grow up um and and you know like beautiful to live right on our lake oh and explore our passions to live a really well-rounded life to work and to see this beautiful lake every day and to follow our artistic I mean, look at John. I always say that John is like the hardest working person I have ever met in my entire life. Mark like, Mark has me beat. <laughs> I know. Well, Mark too, but like you guys both work so hard and, um, you know, doing the things that you love to do, restoring a building, running a nonprofit, you know, right. Mark, you, you, you bring all these artists together to, to make PACA what it is, uh, running the theater then of course, John, you know, making movies and working and right. But it's not society. just making. I mean, you guys make movies, and then he also presents movies to other people so they can see other stuff. And it's all <laughs> right. cool. Yeah. And <laughs> like yeah, you said, though, cool. Mark, we can only we could only do all of this stuff in Erie, right? The, really, this right. it's, I think it's so. cliche, but really, the sky's the limit. Like, if you have the ambition and the idea, you can you can realize it here and see if it's going to work or not for yeah. sure. Right. Like yeah. even Cleveland, right. Buffalo, Pittsburgh, like, you, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure I could do this no. even there. Yeah. It'd be, it would just be so expensive. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. Like you we would spend, no money. yeah, you'd spend a decade just chasing, chasing money. And we've done over a hundred events. I mean, I don't, I don't even, I don't say I don't even keep track. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. sure. Once you, once you reach that many, I mean, you're just, you're doing two or three of them at once. I mean, we're busy. That's that's your life. Yeah, it's exciting. Well, I will say congratulations to you, Mark, for your body of work and to you, John, for your body of work, too. (laughs) And with that, I will wrap it up. So, Mark, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Very much appreciate it. I will let you go. (laughs) Thanks, man. (laughs) Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on again. And if you have something really creative, let me know. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we, we, we will. definitely will. We definitely, we definitely will. will. Hello, Film Grain fans. We have something new coming in 2021, and we want to take your temperature on it. Our film club is a membership program, and we've got a couple levels and uh, we wanna get your feedback. So one of the things that's really cool is a partnership mm. with a New York-based digital film. What would you call it, John? It's a... it's a. Well, there's a, an independent movie house in New York City that go. we're talking to. 
Um, there you go. About partnering mm-hmm. on something, mm-hmm. which uh, all of our members would be able to get in on, and I'm pretty excited about it. We're we're not going to share exactly what that is yet, but just let that percolate. What else do we have, Erica? Discount on admission for whenever we have in-person events again, all members would get discounts on that. Nice. Um, probably film grain dinner and a movie. That would be yeah. one obvious. Other in-person events we might have, for example, Halloween party. And uh, we're talking about some other things. Yes, we are talking about some other things. We're not going <laughs> to give that away yet. <laughs> um, but and anything then in we, person that we may do anything in, in the person. Future. That's right. That's right. Then we're thinking about like two different groups of fans, right? So mm-hmm. we have film society, film office followers out there. We, you know who you are. Our fans. Yeah our fans that are filmmakers, right? You know who you are. And you might be interested in workshops that focus on filmmaking skills. You know, you might want to learn a thing or two about making the films. And if we have some workshops, whether they are digital or in person, this membership would give you access to those workshops. Nice. In addition to some other discounts and some other, you know, digital events, other private events. Maybe some swag. Um, Do you think we might have some swag in there for some of our members? There's swag. There's some swag. There might be some swag. (laughs) So if you are interested in some of those things. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, so whether you're a film fan, so you're interested mostly in watching movies and maybe participating in some discussions with us online while we're online and in person when we're in person, and then, or if you're a filmmaker uh, interested in the craft of filmmaking and things like that, that sounds good. And then we're also thinking about making a a tier which would be a combination of the two so kind of like our super film fanatics uh, that would want to come to both the workshops and participate in our exhibition events as well that's what we're working on if you really really just want to support us every year at an extremely high financial level we would accept that uh, for purely for the the good vibes and the good feeling it gives you. Um, those are all acceptable as well. So think about that, marinate, mm-hmm. marinate on that. But uh, yeah, we're working on that membership program. We'd like to hear from you. Give us your think thoughts. about this. Send us mm-hmm. your feedback. This would be just yeah. an annual membership, so just a just a one time, and it's it would be very affordable. Um, very affordable, and it would be very supportive to us in yes. keeping our organization healthy and fulfilling our mission to you to bring new film and new film opportunities to our region. That's right. That's been our episode. 
Thank you to Mark Tenenbaum for joining us. Next week, our guest will be Stephen Trahosky, musician and owner of Art Lore Studio. Make sure you follow the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania and the Greater Erie Film Office on social media. You'll find all the tags and links in the show notes for this episode. Until next time, this was Film Grain.